Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, Episode 29, Doer of the Word and a New Song. Welcome back, friends. I hope you're enjoying listening to my story, particularly how my life changed after meeting that 18-year-old Berliner boy named Thomas. From that time on, my life had been woven into that of his family and particularly his mother. To understand more of that relationship, you would need to hear my earlier episodes. The saddest thing for his mother, Nadia, was when we announced that we were moving to California in the fall of 71. Our goodbye get-together consisted of Thomas passing the hash pipe around and telling her what a terrible mother she had been. She left our place in tears, thinking that she would never see her son again. But then he changed his tune after we were living in Oakland. He missed his family and wanted to share with them what our lives were like in California. It was a whole new world for him compared to West Berlin. That began his regular habit of writing long, descriptive letters to Nadia, and she always took the time to reply. Once we were married and had our baby, her biggest hope was that she could come visit us. What she definitely didn't expect to hear was that we had given our lives to Jesus and were living at a Christian ranch. And that's when the content of Thomas's letters changed drastically. This was just the beginning of the two of them exchanging intensely personal letters. In the last episode, I translated some of her letter to him about his newfound faith. I have been thinking a lot about her mindset, her religion, and how she and her mother got into all that. This must have been a development sometime after the war, when people were desperate to find some meaning to life. I thought her opinions were so interesting because they are exactly what many people believe today. In our 21st century culture, you hear variations of these teachings everywhere, including in Christian circles. The leaders and authors of these philosophies tend to think that they have a new understanding about life and truth. But God has a different perspective. There is a verse in the Bible that says, There is nothing new under the sun. I suppose the authors of the books that Nadia was reading at the time convinced her that they had the secret of life. The teachings in the hippie movement were pretty much the same thing. That's why Thomas had so much confidence in warning his mother that these beliefs and practices were taking her down the wrong path. I will be looking at more of the letters that transpired between them in coming episodes. Here is a brief list again of Nadia's initial statements. There are many paths to God. Astrology can help people make choices in life. After death, I will be reincarnated and my development will continue. Praying is not so important. I must first discover myself. Faith is not enough. We must do good deeds for humanity. Eternal life must be earned. It is up to us to bring light, life, and love into the world. And her last main point was, and when my ego gets in the way, I can ask for forgiveness, and I will try to be a better person. Thomas responded in love and concern for his family by sharing his personal experiences based on the Bible. Now back to our personal lives going on our fourth month at Living Waters. We had our stewardships in the community, our family life, and time to hang out with our new friends. 
But the highlight we looked forward to was our regular Bible study meetings. They were never boring and always practical. Thomas and I loved the time of singing that uplifted our spirits and set our minds on the joy of the Lord. We were usually around 60 people, gathered under that star-shaped windows of the dome where we shared our meals together. Once the music started, we would all stand up and begin clapping along. A new song that we learned was taken from Psalm 3. A brother started with a guitar, and one of the women picked up her tambourine and led us in a song. It went something like this, My glory and the lifter of my head, my glory and the lifter of my head. That's just the beginning of it. (laughs) So in this particular week, Tom said, we are going to be looking at a passage that Jesus taught. It is foundational for our whole life. It's about how to build your house or your life on a rock. It's in the gospel of Matthew chapter 7. To begin with, he had us read first a warning from Jesus in verses 21 and 22. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Jesus continues by saying that those who call him Lord and say they prophesy and do miracles in his name, he will answer them saying, I never knew you. Then in the following verses, he says, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Tom pointed out that the following verse describes another way of building. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I remember thinking as he read that I was familiar with that story. It seemed to make perfect sense to build on a rock rather than sand. It reminded me of standing on the beach near the water and feeling the sand under my feet moving as the waves came in and out. Obviously, we shouldn't try to build a house on sand, but Jesus was teaching here that is what many people do. Then Thomas asked us a question, how do we build on the rock and what is meant by the rock? He pointed out the difference between two kinds of people. Those who heard the word and obeyed were wise and built a permanent house. They followed the instructions based on his eternal word, which is like a rock. The other people that were foolish heard his words but did not do it. Their house would be unstable and would eventually fall because they had built it on sand. And the verse refers then to eternity by saying, the fall will be great. This explanation from Tom was like a light being turned on in my understanding. The answer was practical but challenging. Jesus' emphasis was not on building according to our own understanding. We need to know and believe God's word and then put it into practice. Tom ended our study that evening by reading the next verses at the end of the chapter. 
And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The scribes mean the religious leaders of the day. That verse described to me the difference between listening to vague sermons at the church where I grew up. It was clear that Jesus' words do have power and authority in my life if I believe them and if I obey them. When the meeting was over, Thomas and I, as usual, had a lot to talk about on our way back to the teepee. With Nomtani falling asleep in Thomas's arms, we excitedly discussed the teaching about being doers of the word. We wanted to be wise and build our house, our family life, on that eternal spiritual foundation. We had already, in the past few months, experienced that God's Spirit was changing us as we trusted and obeyed Him. God blessed us in so many ways, and we sensed that He was guiding our steps. At that early stage of our new lives, we couldn't have imagined where God would lead us to in the future, or to what kind of storms we would have to face down the road. Back at the teepee, we lit the fire and our deep talks continued. Tom Peterson had told us that our next Bible study would be about marriage. This caused us to think about our wedding because we had just celebrated our first anniversary. So I brought up something that I had been thinking about, our Native American wedding rings. We thought they were cool at the time, handmade in silver with a bird symbol. We got them in Utah on our mystical camping trip with our friends. That is when we decided we wanted to live like the Indians in a teepee. Well, here we were now living in one, but inwardly everything about our past ideals was slowly vanishing. Thomas had already lost his ring in the ocean that fateful day before Nomtani was born, but I had still been wearing mine. I told him that maybe I shouldn't wear it anymore. It was a strange idea because I loved being married, but I was having second thoughts about wearing it. I had even been hesitant to talk to him about it because I didn't want to say, I think I should throw my wedding ring away. I was surprised and relieved at Thomas's reaction. He agreed right away that I should take it off. It was literally a symbol of our old life and a false religion. He said this is a practical example of what we had just learned at the Bible study. It was time for that occult symbol to go. Then he had a great idea. I had on my right pinky finger a gold band that my grandmother had given me for my birthday. He suggested that I wear it on my left hand as a wedding ring. He said, here, let me put the ring on your finger. That turned into a sweet, spontaneous ceremony right there sitting by the open fire. It was pretty special. We renewed our marriage vows, and this time it was much more meaningful to us. A few days later, Thomas said, now I also should have a wedding ring. He considered asking his mother for his next birthday if she would want to send him a gold band. Quite a few months later, she did ask, so he sent her a drawing of the measurement of his finger. So that's the story of how we both finally had a wedding ring. Funny, but that's how our life was in those days. On Saturday, we always had to decide what we would do since it was a free day at the ranch. This time, Thomas shyly asked if he could go up to the prayer cabin and take his guitar. 
This was a big deal because a few months back he had announced that he was putting his music aside. I knew that he had been inspired by the musicians in Eureka, and I gladly encouraged him to go take the time. We agreed that he would come home for lunch, and then we would take a walk with Nomtani. It was the beginning of September, and we had beautiful weather, which was perfect for exploring the forest area or sitting by the creek. When he returned with his guitar, he was looking very happy. Since we needed to head over to the dome for lunch, we agreed we would talk about his experience later. Walking through the forest that day with Nomtani in the carrier on his back, Thomas started telling me that he had read Psalm 119 at the cabin. He was so excited about his discoveries. He knew that King David, according to the scriptures, was a man after God's own heart. But he realized then that he was also a musician. Thomas decided that the Psalms would be the best place to start in learning a new way of making music. He pointed out to me that David often wrote about his love for God's word, his precepts, his commandments and laws. He noticed that David's writings were the same as Jesus' teachings, just like what we had learned at the Bible study. As you can hear, even on our walks, we would always be talking about God and what he was doing in our lives. When we got back to the teepee, we had some time to rest before dinner. Thomas opened up his Bible and read to me the part of the psalm that especially came alive to him, verses 9 through 16. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Finally, he took the guitar out of the case and sang for me the melody that he had come up with. It was so beautiful and simple and perfectly expressed his own heart, since he was a young man, just like that scripture. I still remember some of his melody, but unfortunately, I don't think he ever recorded it. That day was a small beginning of many years of Thomas using his musical gift for the glory of God. Not only did he write songs later for the church to sing, but his music filled our home and had a big influence on our daughters as they were growing up. I will close for today with the last line in Thomas's song, taken from Psalm 119, verse 16. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Oh, and by the way, I found the song called My Glory and the Lifter of My Head on YouTube and Spotify. I will add the link in the description of this episode and on Instagram in my story. I can also add the link. Bye for now.